Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right. Well, we are halfway through um, a series. I can't believe we're halfway through already. We're halfway through a series that we're processing through the books of First and Second Peter. Now, Peter, to help you understand who he is, and we're going to dive into his life just a little bit this morning, but Peter was in the inner circle with Jesus. He was one of the forerunners of the church, and here... Jesus is speaking through him. The the Word of God is speaking to our lives and sharing with us what does it mean to be comfortable in the uncomfortable? What does it mean to discover, to settle in, and to take action in our faith as we process through with God in a world that is so far from him, in a godless society, in the chaos of the world today? Up to this point, we discovered that we aren't to be spectators, right? This walk with Jesus, our our religious step forward, is not a a spectator sport. It's not something we do from the sidelines, but we are called to be a part or to be in the game, if you would, with the cause of Christ. Last week, we discovered that we can't settle for tolerance, but we must embrace the truth. We've got to know the truth, digest the truth, so we can implement the truth into the world today. Now, In this morning's message, I've titled it, Actions Speak Louder Than Words. And I want us to step out of merely being spectators. I want us to move beyond simply having head knowledge. But today, I want us to grab a hold of the realization that actions truly do speak louder than words. After all, what you do oftentimes holds more weight than what you say. Let me say that again. What you do oftentimes holds more weight than what you say. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Have you ever met that person that that seemed to be all talk but no action? They talked a good talk. They they spoke a good word. They were pretty influential in their speech, but the action didn't seem to follow up. We've all experienced that before. We've all met that individual, and many times we put very little stock in them as a person. Oh, they talked a good talk, but there's simply nothing to back it up. And in the end, we often discover that their words are cheap. What does that look like in your Christian faith? What does that look like in your relationship with Jesus? If I was to ask somebody, hey, tell me about so-and-so's walk with Christ, would they say in return, well, for them, talk is cheap? Because truly actions speak louder than words. And as I began to read through First and Second Peter, and I read it, and I, and I reread it, and I read it again, and I underlined, and I put little notes throughout the Bible in that section and tried to figure out a game plan, I realized that this topic of actions speaking louder than words truly resonated in Peter's life. 
Now, let me remind you of Peter's past. Peter was in the inner circle with Jesus. In fact, you could probably say he was in the, the closest circle. In Scripture, when the disciples are mentioned, Peter is mentioned first. That tells me, I'm not saying that Jesus had a favorite, but if he did, he would have mentioned him first. Come on. If you're ever to talk about a list of people and you begin to name names, I know who your favorites are because those are the ones that you talk about first. The others, and the further down the road you get, you get to the leftovers. You don't know what I'm saying. You start talking about those that are on the outer fringe of your relationship. But at the very beginning, anytime Jesus is talking about his disciples, it says, Peter. Peter was a forerunner. He was on the front side of it all. But beyond this, Jesus had given Peter a new name. You see, when Peter first began to follow after Jesus, his name was Simon. He and his brother Andrew were mere fishermen casting their nets into the water trying to catch fish. But in Matthew chapter 16, there's a name change or a word change in Simon's life. Look what it says in Matthew 16 verse 18. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, you are Petro, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Come on, wouldn't you love for Jesus to look at you and change your name to Petro, to rock? Come on, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He looked at Simon. He said, your name is Petro. Your name is Rock. Now, Peter would play a huge part in the building of God's church, which Jesus began to share with him. But I want you to grab a hold of something. Did this word change alone transform Peter's actions? By simply saying, you're no longer Simon, you are now Petro, you are now Rock. Did that change who he was in that moment? I would venture to say no. See, Peter had to come to the place where he personalized and personified what Jesus was declaring over his life. It took him some time. It took moments of surrender and dedication. And I believe that's where many of us find ourselves today. Oh, we read in the Bible where it declares that we are more than conquerors. We read that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But for some reason or another... We haven't come to the place of personifying and declaring what God has said over our lives. Listen carefully. God declares over you today that you are more than a conqueror. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That he has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
that the moment you receive Christ into your life, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want you to grab a hold of this today, whether you're here in person or you're watching online. I want you to receive this today. God has a plan for your life. He calls you a victor. To some of you, you get up in the morning and from the very get-go, you feel like a failure. You feel like there's no hope in your life. You feel like you keep stumbling over the same block time and time and time and time and time again and you just don't know what to do. I want you to know that today, God is declaring to you that you are more than a conqueror. God is declaring to you that he has a plan for your life. What we've got to do is come to the place like Peter did and personify and receive and declare who God has called us to be and allow that not to be words that are on the surface, but to be something that we absorb on the inside. See, what you practice in the good times will be carried out in the struggles of life. What you practice when things are going well, when the bottom falls out and you hit the ground and you're, you're dragging in the sand, if you've practiced it up here, if you've personified it up here, if you've personalized it up here, if you've lived it out up here, when you get to this point, you, it'll, be, it'll be a muscle memory if you would. This is what I do. I stand upon the word of God. I declare the word of God. I live the truth of the word of God, whether I'm in the victor's moment or I'm dragging through the sand. In every single moment, in every single situation, I'm standing firm on God. I've learned how to, to be comfortable in the midst of the uncomfortable. This is where we see Peter. I'm going to pin mark that. We're going to come back to this idea in just a moment. Look at our text today, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter is writing and he says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that rage war against your very souls. Now, before we get into the meat of the message, I want to take just a moment. I want to dive in to our text today. Peter calls them temporary residents, and then he goes as far as to declare that they're foreigners in the world. Now, this concept, this mindset of being a foreigner would have really resonated with many people in Peter's day and time. Many individuals lived outside of the major cities. They weren't true residents. And it's interesting to note that their responsibilities to be active in the world did not change even though their mindset was different. Come on, grab a hold of this. They're foreigners, they're on the outskirts, but they have to come in. They still had to go through the same routine. They still had to pay their taxes. They still had to attend the festivals. They had to live their daily lives as if they were citizens, but they did not engage in the practices that were common in the society and the culture around them. So here, Peter says, I urge you, I warn you, take this seriously. Don't miss it. You're not of this world. Church, listen carefully. 
The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your citizenship changes. Come on. The moment you ask the Lord into your life, your citizenship changes. You're not of this world. You're just passing through. So therefore, we're called to be set apart, to be different from the world around us. And Peter says, keep away from the worldly desires that rage war against you. What he's saying is, don't flirt with the evil. Don't toy with society. If you play with fire, you're going to get what? Burned. So he says, take this seriously. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Keep away from worldly desires that rage a war against you. Why? Because there's already a battle. According to James chapter 4, there's a battle on the inside of who we are. There's that battle between what wants to do right, what wants to honor God, what wants to please him, and that old sinful nature. And if we begin to toy with the sin of the world, then in essence what we're doing is we're feeding that old nature. We're giving it something to chew on. We're giving it something to digest. We're giving it some of its nourishment. And guess what? As we do that, as we toy on that side, then that old nature is going to do what? It's going to grow. However, if we will seek after the things of God, if we will press in to the things of God, if we will turn our eyes upon Jesus, if we will rest in the truth of who he is, if we will rely upon him, if we will hide his word in our heart, and we'll begin to starve out that old sinful nature. Come on. Amen. What we'll see is a transformation in our lives. That which once was a struggle in your life will be a fleeting thought. It will be no more. It's time for us to move beyond words alone and begin to engage in the action of our faith in God. Let me say it again. It's time for the church. It's time for the believer. It's time for me and you to move beyond words alone. It's time to stop just simply saying, I go to church. It's time to stop simply saying, I'm a believer. It's time for us to move into this place of declaring, of personalizing, of personifying this relationship with Christ and engage in the action of faith in God. Today, I want to share with you three truths that I see in this section of of 1 and 2 Peter. Truth number one is this. Without God, all we have is self. Understand this. Without God, you're it. Without God, all you have to rely upon is, is you. Without God, all that you have to depend upon is is you. Oh, you're a great person. You really are. Look at your neighbor today. Say, you're a great person. But look back at him and say, but I'm not enough. You see, without God, all we have is self. All we have is, is who we are. And I don't know about you, but there's moments, there's times in my life where self lets me down. 
Come on, anybody else have moments when self lets you down? You know what you need to do, but you just, you don't do it. Well, let me remind you where Peter came from. If you remember, during the Last Supper together, before Jesus was arrested in the garden and ultimately crucified on the cross, Jesus was talking with the disciples, and he looked Peter eyeball to eyeball, and he said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you even know who I am. Can you imagine that? Peter's like, no, that will never happen. I will die for you. I will never deny you. Come on. How could this be? How How could Peter, the rock, Petro, how could he be the one that would deny who Jesus is? Here's the problem. When we begin to depend upon self and our own ability, we'll find ourselves faltering and failing 100% of the time. When we begin to rely upon ourself, when we begin to depend upon ourself, you see, without God, all we have is self. So if we put this separation, we put God to the side, we put him on the back burner until next Sunday morning, and we go through our journey, and he's over here all by him lonesome, and here we are all by ourselves, and we begin to rely upon self, we begin to depend upon self, we'll find ourselves faltering and failing. You see, just when we think we're about to take a step forward, we'll stumble because our strength was dependent upon self. As many of you know, Peter ended up denying that he even knew Jesus. He couldn't even stand up to a teenage girl. He did the very thing that he said he would never do. But remember, actions speak louder than words. For Peter, his words were weak. Oh, he had the desire, but the follow-through was missing. He had the words to speak, but his actions failed to line up. Have you been there before? You so want to do what's right, but again, that battle that's raging on the inside, you want to follow through, you want to pursue the things of God, but for one reason or another, the action falls short. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. He said, the trouble is with me. Again, if, if, if we put God to the side, without God, all we have is self. And, and Paul said, that trouble's with me. For I'm all too human. Have you ever been all too human Nobody else in the room's ever been all too human. Yeah, there's, there's two of us in the room. Thank you. Thank you for that honesty this morning. I see that hand. Yeah, we're all too human, a slave to sin. I really don't understand myself at all. Maybe you can relate to these words. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law, and it's good. So I am not the one doing wrong. The sin living in me makes me... Uh, living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what is wrong, 
I am not really the one doing the wrong. It's a sin living in me that does it. And then verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And then he has an aha moment. He has a a wake-up moment. He says, thank God. And there's a big exclamation mark right after that. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul comes to the place in the midst of the turmoil of life, in the midst of the struggle of life, in this battle that's raging. He says, I want to do what's right, but I do what is wrong. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I don't understand myself at all. I'm a miserable, wretched person. Who's going to free me from this pit of sorrow as I've been relying upon self, pushing God to the side? Who's going to help me in this moment, and he has a moment where the light bulb comes on, he says, thank God. The answer is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There has to be this moment of a dependency transfer. We have to move from relying upon ourselves to relying upon the things of God, to receiving our strength, our power, our anointing from God and God alone. Amen? Amen. So what changed in Peter's life? Well, if you remember, Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he began to have a conversation in the first chapter of the book of Acts with the early believers. And he said this. He tells them, he says, go to the upper room And spend some time in prayer there. He says, don't leave until the promise, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. But you will receive power. That's the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, explosive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, if you continue reading in chapter 2, we'll discover that those that were pressing in for the presence of God, as they began to cry out to God, the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon the room, and they all were filled and began to speak in an unknown language. This newfound power, this gift that Jesus told them that would come, has now become their confidence It's what moved Peter from this moment of self-reliance into the moment of relying upon the things of God. How do I know that it radically changed Peter? A few moments later, they all were speaking in unknown language, and the Spirit of God was in the room. And the Bible says that a wind began to flow through the room, and people on the outskirts of the building began to come toward the building asking, what's happening in this place? Peter, this same man that once could not stand up to a teenage girl. The same man that once relied upon self and realized that self would let him down has now been empowered by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he stepped out, he began to address the crowd and share with them what was occurring. And if you keep reading in the Bible, it says that 3,000 people came to know the Lord that day. That's incredible. That was a dependency transfer. That's bold. It's truly action speaking louder than words. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this, We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Other translations say, not that I am competent in myself, or not that I am sufficient in myself. Again, there has to be a dependency transfer. Our ability is found in resting in the sufficiency of God, of relying upon him, of being dependent upon him. Because our first truth tells us without God, all we have is self. The second truth is this. With God, we can take action. This is where Peter found himself. In this moment of relying upon the things of God, he's filled with the Spirit of God, and now he begins to take steps of action in faith. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit takes us from the place of empty words to a life of action in faith. I'm going to challenge you, if you have not ever experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to challenge you, begin to pursue, begin to ask God to fill you the Holy Spirit. Here in a couple months, I believe that we're going to go into a study on the Holy Spirit to help us truly understand who he is and what role he wants to play in our lives. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. These are our action steps. Listen for them. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. So don't worry or be afraid. Come on, that's not like an action step? Yeah, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as your Lord, the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you for the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. Peter says, even if you face opposition, even if you have struggles in your life, God is going to lead you every single step of the way. Let's break these action steps apart very quickly. Number one, don't worry or be afraid. Look at your neighbor this morning. Say, don't worry. Write in the chat, don't be afraid. Don't worry or be afraid. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, it says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Some translations, be, or some translations say, be anxious for nothing. That word nothing is the word nadas. Nothing. Nobody. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Come on, there's a cause and effect here. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Be open with God. Tell God what you need. Share with God what's on your heart. Be transparent with him. And the effect, then. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind 
as you live in Christ Jesus. Did you see the formula? Don't worry, pray, give it to God, thank him, and the answer is you receive his peace. That's what God wants to do in your life today. That's what God wants to do in your life in this moment. He wants to take you from the chaos. He wants to take you from the uncomfortable. He wants to take you from the difficulties of life. And as you put it in his possession, as you lay it before him with God, we can experience his peace and his confidence. The second action step was worship the Lord. Now, we just spent several weeks in a series called Made to Worship. If you missed that series, I'm going to challenge you to go back and listen to it. Because Psalm chapter 34, verse 1 says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Well, how do we do that? I mean, do we hire Pastor Joe to bring along a ukulele and walk beside us and he just keeps playing and we can sing because we have some music going on. I mean, it's an option. may not be a good option. (laughs) Sorry, I just got this visual of tiptoe through the tulips. (laughs) Some of you catch that reference, some of you do not. That's okay. But I totally got, got a visual of Pastor Joe doing that. But that's not who God's called us to be. God's called us not to be dependent upon this to worship, but to allow worship to come from a place deep inside of who we are. See, as we rest in him, as we rely upon him, suddenly out of the innermost part of our being comes this hunger and this desire to give him praise. And the psalmist said, I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. It's a regular part of who I am. I'm going to praise him in the good times. I'm going to praise him in the bad times. I'm going to praise him when things are going great. I'm going to praise him when the bottom falls out. The third action is this, proclaim your faith. In chapter 3 of 1 Peter, it says, and if someone asks you about the hope as a believer, Always be ready to explain it. If someone asks you, why do you go to church? Why do you honor God? Why don't you do the junk that everybody else in the world does? How are you going to explain that? What are you going to share? I'm going to challenge you. Take a moment and sit down and write out your testimony. It doesn't have to be a 10-minute testimony. I'm saying 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And if someone asks you, hey, why do you believe in God? You, you can go, let me tell you why I believe in God. Because when I was born, doctors gave me little chance to live. But God spoke into my life. God spoke into my body. He healed me. He restored me. He gave me breath in my lungs. God has been faithful every step of my life. In the moments when it's difficult, in the moments when I struggle, I can turn to him and there's a peace and an assurance that he offers to me, offers to me time and time again. Begin to share your testimony with them. Give a reason why you believe what you believe. If you don't know why you believe, man, sit down and have a conversation with God. Look at our fourth. Be gentle 
and respectful. In 1 Corinthians, it says, be on guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Now, we would want to stop at verse 13. Be strong, be courageous, do everything in love. That's the part that we struggle with, right? The last. Be strong and courageous, we're there. Standing firm, we're there. But we don't always want to do things in love. But truth be told, just because you don't agree with somebody doesn't give you the right to be a jerk. Okay, I got an amen over here. Let me try it over here. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't give you the right to be a jerk. This side was louder. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? It doesn't give us a right. See, we're to love the sinner but hate the sin. We talked about it last week. If you missed last week's message, go back and listen to it because that's the foundation of this point. We can't settle for tolerance. We've got to rely upon truth, but we've got to love the individual that's in the midst of the turmoil and struggle. That's what true love is, is helping them out of the struggles of life. Look at our last action step. Keep a clear conscience. Acts 24 says, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. This means that I do my absolute best to live in such a way that all that I say and all that I do lines up with the desires and the heart of God. Actions speak louder than words. So as we wrap up today, what's our third truth? Our third truth is this. With God, we can grow our faith in action. With God, we can grow our faith in action. Verse 5 through 9 of 2 Peter chapter 1 says this. In view of all of this, what's he talking about? Well, verse 3 and 4, he says that God has given us all that we need to live this life, this life of being set apart, this Christian walk. And in verse 5, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brother affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. How many of you today want to be productive Productive and useful. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a, a spiritual stump. A stump's not going to do any good. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines, but I want to be useful. I want to be productive for the cause of Christ. He goes on in verse 9 to say, But those who fail to develop in this way are short sighted, are blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Peter says we've got to supplement our faith. So here's the question that has to be asked. Does that mean that God has left us lacking? No. Come on, look back at verse 3 and 4. God's already given us all we need. But what we've got to do is begin to put what he has placed inside of us into practice. 
okay? Let's say somebody gave you a brand new car, but you never started it. You never turned it on. You never put fuel in it. You never checked the oil. You never charged the battery. You just kind of let it sit in the front yard. You're like, cool, somebody gave me a car. That's awesome. What's going to happen to that car over time? It's going to deteriorate, isn't it? Things are going to begin to dry rot. The battery is going to drain. Things aren't going to function. Sooner or later, you're going to go out and you're going to try to start that car and it's going to go. And you're going to say, what happened? You gave me a junker. It doesn't start. The truth be told, you never engaged it. Are you ready to supplement your faith? Are you ready to put things into action? The word supplement literally means something that enhances something else. The question we've got to ask is, what is God calling you to do to supplement your faith that he has given you? To allow your faith to grow, to allow your faith to mature, so you come to the place of being comfortable in the uncomfortable. You come to the place of being productive and useful for the cause of Christ. I wonder today, what is God calling you to do? What is he speaking to your life to do? As we've been sharing this message this morning, what is God speaking into your hearts? See, I believe that all across the room, God is giving direction right now. But truth be told, direction alone is not going to cut it. There's got to be the obedience to follow through. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to go all in? Are you ready to allow God to help you come to the place of being comfortable in the uncomfortable? Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.